we are going to talk about what it means to be free to shine. What does it mean to be free to shine? Let's pray. Father, we come as your people, and we want to hear your voice. Father, I pray right now that you would just decrease me and that by your spirit that you would just put the words of life in this mouth, Lord God, that all of our lives might be changed. We are all broken, healing people that need your healing touch, Jesus. So if you would just manifest yourself in this place through our worship so we can be free to shine as you would like us to shine. We dedicate this whole thing to you, Jesus, because we live and die for you. And we thank you. Amen. All right. So in this series, we've been talking about some, previous, some hindrances from freely participating in the divine life of God, the life of goodness, the life of hope, the life of power. And so one of those things that we talked about was being a spectator, the spectator syndrome, about how that can really be a block to how you see yourself working in the, in the people of God. Then there are the predetermined expectations, these boxes that we have in our minds that say how God should and should not operate, and how that we will believe those boxes and be in those expectations to our own suffering and our own pain. So there's another roadblock that we're going to talk about today, and that roadblock is of darkness of heart. And darkness of heart, usually when the Bible talks about that, it's talking about you know, evil, self-centeredness, um, causing destruction to things and others. And so I had some ideas of people that I really thought about when I thought about you know, evil, selfishness, darkness of heart. And this guy came to my mind. <laughs> Look at that guy. One million dollars. <laughs> But anyway, I mean, this guy, you know, he's pretty selfish. You know, he thinks about himself, doesn't even care about his son. I mean, evil. <laughs> and so now this next person, I mean, just thinking about guys that I think about when I think about darkness of heart. This next guy scared me when I was a child. Luke, I am your father. No. And do y'all remember the part when he took the helmet off? <laughs> just don't look under the helmet. <laughs> So these are some more lighthearted um, people that I think about when I think about darkness of heart, but there are some other people that do exist in reality, and you know, when I think about them, I really don't have, you know, really good feelings about them. Um, this gentleman right here. When I think about all of the untold suffering and pain that he has caused people, not only in his own lifetime, but also in people after that, with loss and grief and destruction, I, I have a hard time even just looking at the picture sometimes. Um, and there's another guy, and this is more recent, um, this person right here. Um, due to the machinations of this man, there are friends and family of mine that are embroiled in turmoil and chaos and pain. And so, I mean, this guy really pervades a lot of things that we would associate with darkness of heart. Not that we don't pray for him, but that is the demonstration. Now, this next person I'm going to show honestly um, this person almost scares me more than any of these people combined. Um, just really having a lot of different issues with this person. Let's take a look. Um, and I know what you're saying. I mean, look at those beautiful eyes and the beautiful teeth and the gorgeous bald head. How could darkness of heart exist in such a creature? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but believe it or not, the Bible says that if we believe that we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves. I can guarantee you that in the, there he is right there. 
In the mind of the picture, the last picture that you just saw, there have been ignorant thoughts, there have been lustful thoughts, there have been violent thoughts, there's been self-hating thoughts. Darknesses of heart that even though you might see a smiling face might be lodged in there and hindering every way that we relate to God and relate to other people. Let's go to the scripture, Luke 11. Luke 11, and we're going to verses 33 through 36. Luke 11, verses 33 through 36. None of you lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, you put it on its stand so that those that come in may see the light. Your light is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when you are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. Really associates that, that light with the health of the eyes. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Okay, give a little background. We know right now that light, through modern science, we know that light actually comes into the eyes and we have retinas and irises and all that other thing that process the light and that's how we see. Well, back in this time period, they believed that what happened was that there was light inside of the body, there was light inside of you and it actually came out through your eyes and that is how you perceived. And so the level of darkness that you had inside of your body would actually diminish the amount of perception, accurate perception that you could see through your eyes. So Jesus took this and really brought out a true application of that belief. Now, back in this, back in this time, we don't really think that way now, so I wanted to kind of use another analogy. So if you'll excuse me, I want to put my stunner shades on. Don't look so Hollywood. Thank you, thank you. But it's just like having shades. And whenever you have some shades, yes, they look cool on you, but the interesting thing is they change your perception. They change your perception. And the darker the shades, sometimes the more obscure the perception. And so when you have these shades on, you really don't see things as they really are. There are some distinctions to what you see. How we do life in our heads composes a lot of what we do in the world. And when we have on shades, when we have on shades, we don't see things as they actually are. Now, I want to just tie the analogy. I believe that sometimes just with the way that we perceive the world that we have shades on, shades of darkness. And they, when we put them on, sometimes we don't even know they're on. We can't see our relationships straight. We can't see ourselves straight. We can't even see scripture straight sometimes. Confession time. I'm at seminary, and um, I'm going through a lot of different things, you know, financial struggles, whatnot. And so I'm reading the scriptures, and I get to this one scripture, and it basically says something about take no thought for your life. Now, with my cool stunner shades on of, you know, fear and doubt and different things like that, this is what I actually remember saying one time. I'm like, Jesus was crazy. <laughs> if he were an American and married and had to pay taxes and had to deal with a bad boss, he would not be saying this. He just had to walk around barefoot or with sandals. <laughs> and I know that that sounds kind of weird, but that's what happens whenever sometimes those different shades are put on your eyes. 
I was so blinded by my own pain and my own concern and my own worry that I could not fully participate in the truth and the life that was coming through the word of God. I couldn't really see the ability, I couldn't free myself enough to trust the Father like that. And you know what I did? I tried to actually twist my own interpretation of Scripture by my own darkened heart. And this stuff happens so easy. Maybe you have, maybe you have on shades of rejection, right? And so whenever people try to come up to you and they're honestly trying to love you and care for you, all that you can see is somebody that's potentially trying to manipulate you. You can't see things right. You see everything through your shades. There's another scripture that I want to tag on to here, and it's kind of a recapitulation of the old scripture, but with a different emphasis. Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. Now, this next part is the puncher. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. In other words, if the way that you see your relationships begins with the presupposition that people cannot be trusted and people will always manipulate you and people will always hurt you, how great is the darkness that is projected from those eyes? How many opportunities for love will we miss by having those kinds of, how great is the darkness then? And the interesting thing is there's a lot of pain because people are trying to have good relationships. They're trying to really read the word. They're trying to see themselves rightly, but they don't know how. Their relationships blow up and they don't know why. It's because of that darkness of heart. The darkness of heart that sometimes we have shades that we're not even aware of. And what the Lord wants to do is shine his light on that. So what we're going to talk about is how is the Lord going to shine his light on us so that moving the darkness out, that we can actually live in the light of his love. And then another thing is, why is it so easy for us to just live with these shades on? I mean, walking around like Stevie Wonder. How is it so easy for us to walk around with these shades on and not be aware of it? Well, this is the word that I want you to think about. And the word is maps. Maps. Has anybody in this room ever used a map? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay, now how many people in here are courageous enough to, if you get lost, to ask for directions? Where are the men at? Where y'all at? Aye, aye. <laughs> I hesitate to ask for directions. But here's the thing. Has anybody ever tried to go to a destination and somebody gave you a map that was inaccurate? <laughs> now, did anybody just feel like, hallelujah, happy I'm lost? Hallelujah, this street's not on the map. <laughs> yes, another 45 minutes of driving. <laughs> I would be willing to say that none of us have that kind of hallelujah feeling. Well, the reason that, that, the reason that can happen is because sometimes the maps don't really line up with what reality is. And when you're trying to go somewhere and it's maybe it's an important destination and you have the wrong map, you're going to run into issues. That's why it's very important to remember that the map, St. Paul, is not the same thing as, it does not equal, it's not the same thing as the territory. 
The map is not the territory. Me looking at the map of St. Paul is not the same thing as actually participating or going to Mickey's Diner on 7th. Also, just because there's a Mickey's Diner on 7th does not mean I have the accurate map to get there from where I am. Do you see how those kind of things, that they're, they're, they're really important. And what that means is that unless we have accurate maps, and maps, the way we can think of maps is a way that we represent the world in our mind, how we think about the world. Those are our maps. If we have inaccurate maps, then we're going to be making wrong turns and we're going to not get to the destination that we honestly want to get to. And there you have frustration and there you have the pain and the anxieties. Here's some things that we have to understand. First of all, about our perceptions. Our perceptions are not reality. Our perceptions are not reality. If we deceive ourselves into thinking that the way that we see things is the only way that it can be seen, we are going to have problems. Because we all have different experiences. God has allowed us all to have different perspectives. And sometimes a perspective that another person might have might be more appropriate to a situation than mine. But if we feel like our perceptions are our reality, then that's all that we'll ever see. I know that she hates me because that's what I believe. That I, I see the way she looks at me. Maybe you're misinterpreting some things. Our perceptions are not reality. The next thing, our thoughts are not reality. See, we have an enemy of our souls, and this enemy of our souls is called Satan. And one of the things that I believe that Satan does is he puts evil, self-centered thoughts before us. And that's why the word says that we must take every thought captive to Christ because Christ is the true reality. And so if we do not discern that we are different from our thoughts, we will think that just because we have a tempting, tempting thought that we have to do it because we are our thoughts. If I have a thought about cursing somebody out, well, I better do it because I'm thinking it. No, your thoughts are not necessarily your reality. That needs to be distinguished. The next thing is our beliefs. <laughs> our beliefs are not reality. And this is so hard because we want to be right, don't we? We want to be right about what we believe. <laughs> I have an experience. Um, I really had a lot of anxiety when my wife would drive. If we'd be in the same car, I would be like, this woman can't drive. <laughs> now, this is the weird part. This is the weird part. I really did have this belief to the point where I would get actually anxious when she's driving us somewhere. But if you look at the truth, I've had more interactions with speeding tickets and stuff than she's ever had. So one day we're in the car <laughs> and she gets in the driver's seat and she sees me squirming. And so she's like, you nervous about me driving? I'm like, yes. And so this is what this is what we would call a come to Jesus meeting. This is like a, a truth meeting. <laughs> and so it's like, now, Dwayne, who out of both of us has the most speeding tickets, the most vehicular incidents and stuff like that? It's like me. <laughs> who has none of those things? You. So is there any reality that is grounding this belief that I cannot drive? No. <laughs> And I was forced, painfully, I was forced to understand that my belief about her inability to drive was completely based on false assumptions. 
And believe it or not, it really did free me from being anxious when she was driving. And even though that's kind of a little playful analogy, there are lots of beliefs that keep us hung on to things that aren't reality. Maybe I believe that a person in my life has offended me and I cannot forgive them. Or they don't want to forgive me and so I can't forgive them because they obviously don't want to forgive me. Now, if I hold on to that belief, am I living in the reality of God's love? But it's so easy for us to do that, for us to think that our beliefs, which may or may not be even commensurate with reality, actually is the truth. So we have to realize that our beliefs are not reality. The next thing is feelings. (laughs) Whoa, 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 feelings. (laughs) Our feelings are, I think, some of the most powerful aspects of us as human beings. I mean, I am sad, I am angry, I am happy, I am, you know... Anxious, all of these different feelings, they're so immediate. And so they really seem like the essence of reality. But here's the thing. Sometimes our feelings can lead us into situations that are not true. There have been times in my life, and I know in your life, that I have been so sad over wounded pride. Crying bitter tears over wounded pride. Or I would be feeling, I would be feeling feelings that were not in any way linked to what was real. And that's what sometimes Satan tries to fool us with. He tries to get us into these positions where we feel depressed or we feel down. And then out of that feeling, we're supposed to believe, I am nothing. God doesn't love me. People don't love me. Maybe I'm the only person that's happened to, but that's what happens when our feelings catch us up. Or sometimes we're just like, oh, I don't want to be committed. I want to do something else because this is how I feel. I don't want to plant myself with this person's life because this is how I feel. Aren't we glad that God's truth really deals with that? Because sometimes our feelings don't tell us the truth. God's word tells us the truth. So we have to understand that our perceptions, our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings are not reality. This is how I think that the darkness really works. All of us really want to, I think, work for good ends. We really want to work with relationships. We want to love people. We want people to love us back. But sometimes maybe it's been in our family of origin. Maybe it's been the friends we've hanged around or just different things we've learned. We've learned inaccurate maps. And so what happens is we try to use a faulty map to get to a real destination. And then we keep banging our heads upside the wall when we're wondering what's going on. (laughs) Just case in point. Somehow, I really learned, I picked up the idea that maximizing personal wealth was the thing to do. That it, that it was what really made me me. I used to be a business student, so this is what I really believed. And so, interestingly enough, and tell me if y'all think this is weird. Interestingly enough, I began believing that making more money was actually more important than relationships. I actually learned manipulative tactics. Can you believe that? Can you believe actually believing that money's the bottom line and then out of that dehumanizing people? It happens because of those inaccurate maps that we are given either by our society or by our families or by our friends. Some of those maps deal with shame. Some of those maps deal with doubt. Some of those maps deal with fear. I have struggled and I believe a lot of us in here struggle with various inferiority complexes. And I think that there are some times where we'll have those glasses on and we'll look in the mirror and God says, do you see a child of God? And you just, in your heart, you're just like, you disgust me. You're nothing. 
You're a sinner. You just, you can't do right. This is you looking in the mirror with your shades. I believe this is part of the condemnation that Jesus came to free us from. Because when you have a faulty map and you have the wrong perception, you cannot go in the right direction. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wrong perception will mean wrong direction. And this is where the renewing of the mind comes in. We have got to be humble enough, humble enough to say, you know what? God, I think that maybe I have a lot of shades on that I'm not aware of. And maybe it is coloring the way that I'm seeing my brother, it's coloring the way I see my sister, it's coloring the way I see myself. Or God, maybe I've gotten some maps that need to be thrown out. I'm telling you, part of our deepest sin is wanting to be right <laughs> to ourselves. And the essence of humility is opening up to the fact that maybe we are wrong and have been wrong for a long time. And allowing the word of God, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, discerning of the soul and the spirit to give us the truth, to bring us back to repentance, to free us from the darkness, to free us from seeing everybody as a potential threat and actually freeing us to see everybody as a potential child of God. Here's some other scriptures. For you were once darkness. He's very, very blunt about it. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Now, he just said, you know, once all up in here, you were darkness. And when you were just perceiving the world and just beaming that light out, you were beaming darkness. But now in the Lord, you are children of light. You bring forth that which is of God, where you used to be of Satan. Another scripture, and this is what's very important about the effects of what we're talking about. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Again, this light theme, you are light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, that they may see your good deeds. See, the cool thing about this is whenever we decide to humble ourselves and we say, Lord, help us take off some of these shades, help us change some of these maps, it doesn't just become a being a hearer of the word and not a doer only. Mm -mm. What it does is it frees you to do good deeds in order that people might glorify your Father in heaven. So where you used to have to struggle to love somebody that was talking about you and trying to get you fired, you are more and more empowered by the renewing of your mind to just do that good deed to them. To the people that despitefully use you and would rather see you just evicted and all these kinds of things, empowering you to do the good deed of reconciliation. Because let me tell you something, I know I can't do it in my own strength. The bottom line is the only way we can do it is if the light of heaven from the Holy Spirit shines in our hearts and takes these maps and takes these shades and say, okay, this got to come off, this got to be changed. And then before you know it, you can be fulfilling the great commission and great commandment without being drugged to it and gritting your teeth. And we're struggling because right now we're all just gritting our teeth to some extent. But the end goal is when we can freely obey God and freely shine and freely give forgiveness and freely give restoration and healing. 
where we are free not to manipulate others. In the church, we, I, have manipulated others out of our own pain. And God just shines a light on that and just says, let's turn this around. And it starts with ourselves. Can we look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, you are a child of God. Can we change that map? Regardless of what anybody tells you, you are the beloved of the Holy One. Regardless of what even your own mind tries to tell you. You are never alone because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. There's a scripture, and I just talked about it a little earlier with a brother. There's a scripture that says, if our own hearts condemn us, 1 John, if if our own hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. (laughs) We don't have to listen to our lying hearts. We can listen to God's truth. And we live in the fullness and the power and the majesty that he meant us to. Now, yes, we look at our sins. We are honest about the sins that we do. We are honest about the shame, honest about the doubt, honest about the fear. But we give those things over to God as he sheds his light on us so that we can become light. So with that, I want to leave with this challenge. I want us to really think about one belief, at least one belief that you have. And it could be something about a good situation, something about a painful situation, but a deep conviction that you have. Maybe it's about the economy, maybe it's about your spouse, maybe it's about your children, but something that it brings you confusion or different things like that. And I know we pray about these things a lot. I'm wondering if we'll look at these and we'll just give it to God and say, okay, God, what map am I using to look at this situation? What are the maps? What, maybe I have some, maybe, maybe I have some inaccurate maps, God. Or what kind of shades am I looking at my spouse through when my spouse is annoying me or she's saying things that are too true for me to really take? (laughs) What kind of shades do I have on that I need to pull off? Because in our heart of hearts, people, God has created us to love and desire love. And the reason that we cannot love is because we have been hurt. And because we have been hurt, we see darkly, we see dimly. And God wants us to humble ourselves and say, give up your shades. Give up your maps. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I will provide the truth that you need to get the place you're trying to go. I have the map. Will you surrender your maps? So even as we continue this time, we're going to be continuing a time of worship. I really want us to think about this. And I want God to reveal to each and every one of us at least one thing, one belief. That maybe we can change our maps on or take some shades off and really see things clearly in the glory of God. Can the ushers come forward? One of the maps that I've had to change is uh, the map about worship. And what I have, um, and what I'm growing in is learning that worship is not about just singing and it's not just about the praise worship as wonderful as it is or the word going forth. It is about a body of believers coming to be and bleed together. Because that's what Jesus showed. You can't be together and not bleed together, right? And this is another way that we do that. We come together and we give as we are led and able to God's work. So let's pray. 
Father, we are your people. And um, as we come bearing our faulty maps and bearing our shades, we still throw ourselves on your mercy. You've been mighty good to us. Your, your graces and your, your graces have been new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So right now, Father, as we give, we pray that you would bless this giving time, Lord God. I pray that you would bless everyone in this house, Lord God. That bless them with every financial and spiritual, emotional need that they need. And I pray that this money would go to the work of your kingdom. This is not just money. This is actually your work going forward. And we pray that we see that as that, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Father, we hunger for you. We long for your spirit to fall down in this place. us so much. You sent your only son. I have a son, Lord God. I can't imagine doing that. It's beyond anything that I can fathom. You sent your one and only beloved son to die in our place. I don't get that either. Sent him to a cross. He was executed, beaten, horrible death for me, for everyone here. I don't get it. I'll never get it. I don't know that I ever will. And he died. And all my sins, all of our sins, died with him. He took the brunt of the enemy fire and died for me and for everyone here. Went into the grave. And then three days later, he got up and walked out of there. But our sins stayed dead in that place, Lord God. Death, you have no more sting. You've been defeated, enemy. Thank you, Lord God. Your love is powerful. Lord God, thank you. At the same time, the curtain was torn. No longer do we have to commune through other intercessory things. We come straight to you. That you say, if we need it, you'll give it. If we knock on that door, it's going to be answered. If we seek you, Lord God, we will find. All we have to do is ask, Lord God. I don't get that either, but I don't have to. That's what, my, that's what you tell me faith is all about. It's hoping for the things I don't see and understanding things that I'll probably never understand. 
Lord God, thank you for your healing. Thank you for the fact that when that curtain was torn, that we went from the outer courts into the holiest of holies, that we entered into your throne room, that we could commune with you, that you dwelled in us, Lord God. The almighty, powerful God living in me, living in each and every one of us here, Lord God. Again, I don't get it. I don't have to get it. I just have to believe it. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the healing that's been going on here today, Lord God. I don't get that either, but I don't have to. You do. Thank you for the prayer team here there that's here, Lord God. Anoint the prayers that are going, Lord God. Yes, bless them, bless them, bless them with your praises. Bless them. Thank you for the prayers that are going forth, Lord God. Lord God, as we close our time of worship of this time where we get together. We thank you that this place was transformed. I asked it at the beginning of the service that we transform all these things into your throne room, and I believe it. It happened. We asked for it. It happened. Lord God, it resonated with all of us, I believe, whether we know it or not. Lord God, just pray that when we all say amen in a minute, that when we say we agree, we actually do agree, that when we turn around and that we go to walk out to our car, we're aware of you. We are aware that you're living within us and that you've called us to bless those, to love you and to bless those and love those around us, Lord God. I don't want to forget that when I turn around and head to the parking lot. I don't want to forget that when I put the key in the ignition. I don't want to forget that when I go home and eat my sandwich. I don't want to forget that when I take my nap. I don't want to forget that Monday morning or Tuesday morning. Lord God, I want to remember it, and I need you to help me to do that. We need your Holy Spirit to follow us out of here, Lord God, to go ahead of us into this, the, the battle that is life, Lord God. Bless us as we go, Lord God, Lord God. Let us be your hands and your feet, as it says in your word, that we can bless others, Lord God. Help us to be mindful of those that aren't as fortunate as we may be. And move us to touch them, Lord God, and to pray for them, to heal them, to give them a ride, to give them a sandwich, to pay their mortgage, whatever it is, Lord God. Talk to us, Lord God, and we desire to hear you. Thank you, Lord God, as we go. Bless our feet and bless the path that we walk upon, Lord God. And it's in your gracious Son's name, the grace that filled us. We thank you for the words of our mouths and we thank you for the whispering of our hearts. May they all find favor in your presence, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And the church agrees by saying, amen. Amen.